0: Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the first sermon in our new series on love, meant to complement some of the sappy sentiments of Valentine's Day with a more biblical perspective. This sermon, which I preached on February 13th, looks at love in 1 John and reminds us that love isn't just a feeling, but an action a decision to live our lives in ways that help everyone thrive. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. When my daughter and I were taking down our Christmas tree last month, we decided we needed music appropriate to the occasion. And when we were putting up the tree, obviously we listened to Christmas music. But taking it down, we decided that Valentine's Day was the next big holiday, so we would listen to love songs. All very logical. So we asked our Amazon device to play Valentine's Day music. And it immediately gave us several songs about being sorry for treating people badly, missing ex-lovers, and other forms of heartbreak. Hmm, we thought. This is not quite it. So thinking that perhaps the device just didn't understand the request, we asked more clearly for it to play love songs, songs about love. But we just got more of the same, breakup songs and songs about heartbreak. So then we thought maybe it was a device issue, and we asked a different streaming service for love songs, And we're greeted with a song that begins with a rather harsh string of curse words, which isn't what we wanted at all. So eventually we gave up and undecorated the tree to a soundtrack of Disney musicals. But perhaps we should not have been surprised that asking for love songs would not be uncomplicated. Because while love is a favorite topic of music and has been for ages, It's not at all clear that we as a culture are in agreement about what love is, what it means, and how we offer it to each other. Visiting the Hallmark store last week for Valentine cards didn't do much to assure me that we know about love either, since the cards available were either full of excessive sappiness or a little offensive in their humor. I looked at dozens and dozens of options in search of a card that simply said, Happy Valentine's Day, I think you're great. But to no avail, this did not exist. It's no wonder, then, that many of us aren't sure what love is these days. Or at least, we're not sure what the Bible has to do with the way we feel about one another. Or how our faith speaks to our romantic partnerships or our closest friendships. According to Valentine's Day, love means buying people gifts, especially red roses, jewelry, or at least chocolates in a heart-shaped box. If we read the cover of the magazines in the grocery checkout line, we might think that love consists primarily of intrigue and imagination in the bedroom. Some of us have learned in church at some point that love means submission to another person, and doing whatever they say. Others of us might define love as a feeling, something we can't really describe, but we just know. We fall in love, unable to help ourselves. Or we experience love at first sight, when we suddenly can no longer imagine life apart from one particular other person. Or we believe that there's only one person on the planet whom we were designed to love, and we won't be completely ourselves until we find that one perfect match. In all of these definitions, there's a sense that love makes us happy, that when we have someone else to love and when we are loved by someone else, we can expect a contentment that we can't find anywhere else, whether that love be with a partner a child, a parent, or a friend. And the Bible does talk about romantic love and deep friendship. There are stories, especially in the Old Testament, of such strong affection between people that it creates a self-giving and loyal and mutual partnership. But most of what we find about love in the Bible isn't in the arena of eight tips for a long-lasting marriage, or five ways you're messing up your friendship, or even how to tell if he really loves you. But instead, the Bible gives us instructions about God's love and a command to love God and each other. Often, perhaps inadvertently, we separate the love of God from our own notions of romantic love, as if the two have nothing to do with each other as if the command in the Gospels to love our neighbors has nothing to do with Valentine's Day, and is more a kind of generic characteristic of a Christian, one who loves. And I can't call myself a love expert or anything, but I do think that the Bible has more to teach us about love than we usually give it credit for. So for the rest of February, we're going to explore some of the Bible's most famous teachings about love to see what we might learn about both God's love and ours, beginning with a beautiful, if somewhat circular, passage that Ryan read for us a few moments ago, from 1 John. Now, 1 John is the longest of what we call the Johannine epistles, which is just a fancy way of saying the letters written by John. But even as the longest of these letters, it's only a few pages long, found at the very end of our Bibles. And if you read it, which I do highly recommend, it feels a little bit less like a letter and more like a theological discussion for a group of early Christians who disagreed about what it meant to follow Jesus. And in these short pages, which Martin Luther said could buoy up afflicted hearts, something most of us need most of the time these days, we get a pretty clear explanation of the whole arc of scripture telling us who God is and how much God loves us and what we can do in response to that love. So in that sense, this little letter is like an introductory course in the whole Bible, helping us to understand all the rest of what we call the Word of God, even though it's found almost at the end. And so it's the perfect place for us to begin today because 1 John uses the word love or Beloved, more than any other book of the Bible, even though it's only five short chapters. And while that might seem a little much to us, we who have been taught not to be too repetitive or redundant in our writing, in the original Greek, there's a distinction between when the writer uses the word love in relation to God, and when he uses love in relation to people. In 1 John, God is love. God has love. God knows love. Love is something that God possesses. It's part of God's being made manifest in God's self revelation through Jesus and his sacrifice for the world. But for people, love is different. In 1 John, while God is love and has love, people can only do love. It's never a possession for us, but always an action. We might want to think of loving others as something that just springs forth, something that appears out of nowhere, or a feeling, a gift, some kind of mushy, uncontrollable thing that we have or we don't have. And we might think of loving God as either the equivalent of our romantic feelings for another person or some sort of superior state of spirituality, a kind of enlightenment that just happens upon us after we attend church for long enough or get our beliefs just right. But 1 John tells us this isn't the case at all. But love is an action. It's something we have to practice something we do. Here, love isn't something we just feel or naturally exude, but a command, a verb, something at which we have to work. Then 1 John makes it clear that there's no possibility of us loving anyone without God loving us first. We only know about love from the way God loves. Our obligation to love one another, the command to love each other, comes out of God's love and is made possible by God's love. We couldn't love, according to 1 John, if God didn't love us first. We wouldn't even know where to begin and because our love is modeled after God's love, seen most clearly in the way Jesus gave himself for us, then to love God and neighbor is never about right belief or attitude or possession, but is always about practice. And it's interesting that the community for whom this letter was written was at the time arguing about who had the right beliefs, who was worshiping God in the right way, Who was doing Christianity properly? And my guess is that we can identify with that at least a little bit. Since our own Christian culture has been arguing about who's right and what precisely the Bible means and who is in and who is out and what it looks like to worship God properly for as long as most of us can remember. One side of the ancient community to which First John is written argued that Jesus' actions set a moral standard to be followed. But the other side said that believing in the Word was all that mattered. So John wrote to them to say that whose beliefs were exactly right didn't matter at all, and whose worship was exactly right didn't matter either, that nothing about their religion would matter if they weren't loving each other in real, tangible ways. He wrote to say that for believers, for Christians, failure to show love, to do love, to act in love, is intolerable, a much more significant failure than any inadequacy of doctrine or dogma. Getting things wrong in terms of theology is a much smaller problem in 1 John than failing to love. And what's even more is that saying that we love each other, believing in love as a concept or feeling love, none of that matters if we aren't acting in love, caring for each other in the way Jesus asks us to. Because for Christians, love isn't just sentimental. It's never only a feeling that you accidentally fall into. It's always a decision to live in a particular way, an action to which we devote ourselves, a way of self-giving, a life of care, a way to offer dignity and inclusion and respect to one another, to help each other thrive. And lucky for us, we have the perfect example to follow. Love doesn't have to just be an idea for us, but something that was modeled for us in the life and work of Jesus. First John says not only that God loved us first, but that God's love is perfect love. We aren't naturally that good at love, but God is. Our love may tend to be self-serving and sentimental and fleeting. Our love might come in spurts or be inconsistent. We tend to keep score. We are often selfish. Sometimes we feel love and sometimes we don't. And we let that change how we behave. But God's love is a self-sacrificing love that somehow never diminishes God or us. God has decided to love us even though we can never fully reciprocate or replicate God's love. Loving is simply in God's nature. So God loves. And in that love, we become capable of loving too. Being in the light of God's love, receiving that love, whether or not we realize it, allows us to love each other and to love God back. Last week, I got a new children's book from one of my favorite authors, Mac Barnett, who also wrote uh, Sam and Dave Dig a Hole and Extra Yarn and many others. And this latest acquisition is called What is Love?, And in the book, a young boy goes all over the earth asking people what love is. And the fisherman says that love is a fish, and the actor says love is applause, and the cat says love is the night, and the carpenter says love is a house, and on and on. But the boy doesn't understand any of them. So finally, he goes back home. And when he gets there, dinner is waiting And the dog greets him warmly, and he curls his toes into the earth of a garden tenderly planted. And his grandmother comes around and asks if he has found the answer to what love is. And he wraps his arms around her and says yes. Because he learns through his travels that love isn't a feeling, it's not an emotion, It's not an accomplishment, but love is the decision to welcome us back home when we've been wandering, and the decision to return. So by all means, let's celebrate Valentine's Day tomorrow however we like. Please, buy someone chocolates or flowers, take them to dinner, bring them gifts, but remember that none of those things in and of itself is love. Love is giving of the self that doesn't diminish the giver or the receiver. It's action that offers dignity and respect, that encourages the giver and the receiver to be their true and authentic and unique selves. Love is service that may or may not be expected. We only know love because we know God. And we only show love by our action toward others. So in addition to choosing our Valentines and finding the right cards and singing the right songs, let's all get to work at truly loving one another. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week as we look at who God calls us to love. And here's a hint it's not just the people we like. Until then, take care.